Thank you for downloading The Luminous Mind, episode 28. The best thing to do is to become the leader you want your kids to be. Benjamin Franklin once said, Do not curse the darkness, rather light a candle instead. You're ready to set your mind on fire and prepare yourself for the luminous mind with your host, Rebecca Bowman. Today's fire starter is Molly Christensen. Molly has been homeschooling her seven children ages 3 through 20 for 14 years. She has a degree in mechanical engineering and has founded multiple co-ops, including Aspire Scholar Academy, and has created mounts of curriculum and taught numerous classes for youth, including leadership, Latin, science, and math. In addition to this work, she works at Building Heroes Academy. Molly currently blogs and helps train and mentor parents and youth in her spare time at mentoryourkids.com. Welcome, Molly. Thank you. <laughs> spare time. I like the quotation marks. Because, uh, well, that's, you know. That's about how we all are, huh? Pretty much. So, so I've told our audience a little bit about who you are. Do you want to expound upon that and just give us, you know, some background about your family and your hobbies, passions, and then, of course, your profession? Yeah, we live here in Utah. I say here. I'm here in Utah. Um, <laughs> I've lived here for the past 12 years, and I love it here because I love having the change of seasons, and I love having the mountains super close because we love to hike and ski and do active things as a family. Although, you know, with that many kids, sometimes it seems kind of hard to get out, but we still do that. (laughs) Doing good when I remember how many I have. Exactly. (laughs) So yeah, and they, they go from three up to 20. I'll probably be talking about them here and there. Interview, you know, giving you stories and whatnot. Great. Uh, But they are good kids, and I totally love homeschooling them. I also love to read. I I read a lot, and so the kids love to read too. That's helpful. Although some of them take them a little longer to figure that out than others, (laughs) but they do. You know, eventually. Um, Yeah. Yeah. We also love to travel when we can, too, So, and I'm really good at finding good travel deals, which oh. I have to be since I have seven kids. So. <laughs> I need you to mentor, mentor me on that. <laughs> yeah, I can do that. <laughs> and then your profession? Oh, yeah. And then, like, it's interesting because I did graduate in mechanical engineering, which um, I've really never worked in. Because shortly after I graduated, actually before I graduated, that was so long ago, you know, um, (laughs) I was married and we started a family. And so I got to stay home with the kids, which was great. And so I was wondering, I don't know what that's all about. Why did I major in mechanical engineering? But the good thing is, is it gave me a lot of confidence that I could totally handle math and science. (laughs) I would say. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So what I've done is I've started up, oh, I'm kind of a business starter, but my main focus right now is Building Heroes Academy, which is to provide curriculum. And it's not typical curriculum because it's more of a, how do I explain that? We call it our no prep homeschool. So we teach, we give you the way to teach your children 
great fun, engaging knowledge while teaching them how to become heroes. And there's no busy work to it. <laughs> you don't have to spend hours of your own time trying to come up with your own if you use your curriculum, correct? Exactly. <laughs> that. And also, you don't just hand a packet to the kids and say, here, do this. So. <laughs> That sounds great. So what was your personal educational experience? Well, when I was seven, I moved to Utah to a very small town and I went to the public school system there and I pretty much found it boring (laughs) (laughs) Um, because for some reason, everything just really came easy to me. That's Um, awesome. (laughs) For the most part. (laughs) I didn't really like history because it was just kind of memorizing the days and like, ah, pointless, you know. I liked math because you could get the right answer. So, like, analyzing literature, I thought, ew, I don't know what the right answer is. How am I supposed <laughs> to make the office thinking, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so that's kind of how it went. But, you know, I, I graduated from high school a year early. Oh, I wow. headed off to Brigham Young University when I was 17. And because, you know, I like to challenge, I guess, I, it's like <laughs> I majored in mechanical engineering. <laughs> I mean, I like the math. I like the design part. So that's, awesome. that's what I did. I almost changed my major to statistics my junior year. But then I thought that would be really dumb because then I'd have more years left. Start over. <laughs> yeah. So I just end up giving a minor in statistics. <laughs> But then, you know, shortly after graduating, I mentioned that already, when we started having kids, you know, and they start growing up, and about six, seven years later, I actually heard Oliver DeMille speak, and he's giving this great speech, and I really have no idea what he's talking about. (laughs) But I got the idea from him that if you want to be a leader, you should probably read some classic books. I really didn't know where to start with that, and I hadn't had taken an AP English class, and there I'd kind of got an inkling that maybe classic books were kind of interesting. But then <laughs> I also had the idea that they were going to be really hard to read and be a lot of work. I started re- with looking around and finding classic books for like youth and kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I'd start. Yeah, it's a good place to start. It's not a bad place at all. I still read uh, those, you know. So, <laughs> but you know, I can also read some of the adult classics now. So, but since I started reading, I pretty much haven't stopped. I mean, I did read when I was growing up, but a lot of it, the books that I read were, well, let's just say it, kind of dumb. <laughs> kind of junk food. All right. So why did you, Arthur? <laughs> why did you choose to homeschool? Well, when my oldest son was about four years old, I kept getting this idea. You should homeschool him. And I'm like, what? That is ridiculous. You're got to be kidding me. <laughs> It's crazy. Yeah. Because first off, I am way too disorganized to ever homeschool someone. (laughs) I might still be, but it's okay. It worked. (laughs) And then number two, I didn't really want him to grow up, be weird, you know? Yeah. (laughs) You always worry about that one. Uh Uh-huh. And then to really add some power to why I didn't want to, my parents actually started homeschooling my younger brother's sister when I was in high school. And that was pretty radical at the time. <laughs> and I was just like, thought, why? Why would I ever want to stay home with my parents and have them teach me? That is so, <laughs> what, what a horrible thing. Boring, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm looking back, that's so sad now that I was thinking that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I had no idea what it could be like. So I didn't homeschool. I sent him off to kindergarten. And while he was there, I kind of learned that education really wasn't rocket science. Although I probably would have been more comfortable with rocket science. <laughs> <laughs> 
I could also see that my son might struggle with some of the things in public school because he was really super bright and understood things at super, like, at really deep levels. But he also wasn't very quick at memorization, and he really probably could just, he just couldn't see the point of it, you know? Yeah. Where he would struggle with writing and memorizing his math facts and that sort of thing. So in the summer between kindergarten and first grade, I'm like, okay, ask my husband. I think I might need to homeschool. And he's like, oh, okay, whatever. You know? (laughs) (laughs) I love it when they answer like that. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought, I'll just give it a trial run. You know, we did okay, but I really had no idea what I was doing. (laughs) And then the other problem, I I hadn't really totally committed to it. You know, I hadn't burned my bridge behind me. And so it was kind of hit and miss. So I realized that if I was going to do it, I would just have to fully commit. So I pulled him out for first grade and start started homeschooling him and that's really the reason why I chose to homeschool is because I felt like I should it's awesome can you tell us about like your educational philosophy and curriculum I always ask this question and I know that's kind of a weird one you know kind of how does your homeschooling day work and what are the values that you like to teach Oh, yeah. Well, I think that's a really important question to ask, because I think if you're going to homeschool, you should probably have an educational philosophy. You should know why you're doing this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I, I really didn't know when I started. And that's actually OK, you know, but I had to develop that as I went on so I could figure out what I was doing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, really what it comes down to is that my educational philosophy is that I believe that all people were born with greatness inside. It's that greatness that makes people really want to be good and to do good. And so the whole purpose of education really is just to help people discover that inside of themselves and then to empower them and teach them how to gain these skills so that they can serve and help other people. That's really what it's all about. You know, that really just starts with developing the good character, being able to make and keep commitments and then discovering what it is that you love and then putting the two together and sharing that. Yeah, I like that. One problem that I grew up thinking was gaining knowledge without purpose. Well, wait, let me rephrase that. You know, the purpose of education, we feel like, is just to gain knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. But unless there's a purpose to knowing what you know, it's kind of pointless. And so instead, I feel like we need to use the process of gaining knowledge to teach character. And then we don't really have to worry about these gaps in knowledge that we might have. Because I know a lot of people worry about that. (laughs) Um, because if you have the good, strong character, you can pretty much learn anything that is important for you to learn. Yeah. Well, and people talk about gaps, but I sat in a lot of classrooms where, yeah, they were teaching it, but mentally I wasn't ready to understand it. And then, like you said, if I don't know how this is going to apply and what the application is going to be, I would just zone it out. Oh, I know. So so I have gaps in my education, just mostly sometimes because of my own fault, because I didn't see an application for it. When the student's ready, it will be so much easier to learn, too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like I used to worry about the gaps, too. I'm like, okay, we got to make sure we cover everything. No, you don't. Because <laughs> if they love to learn, they're going to learn it if they need to. Yeah. It makes your heart feel a lot lighter when you think of it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't feel like you have to do everything all the time. Yeah. So. yeah, exactly. So how has your paradigm or educational philosophy kind of changed over time and with experience? We all kind of have to, you know, evolve. What was your evolution like? Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah, it's completely changed. Because in high school, I used to just think, okay, I'm educated because I can get good grades. I can pass the test. Really, I could get a job if I wanted to because that's education's purpose, right? You know, that's, that's, what, that's what you think and what we've all been taught. 
a purpose, not the <laughs> purpose. It's like you probably heard that quote from George Sand. Oh, I've read his name, Santayana, something like that. I don't know how to say his name. He says, those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. So I think, oh, okay, I can pass my history test. I know the dates, whatever. So I'm good. We're not going to repeat history. I'm like, ah, you know, actually, <laughs> I didn't know history. So really the purpose of education, like I was saying, is just to understand who you are and then use that knowledge to help others. And when we divide all this knowledge up into different set subjects, we're kind of missing the whole point because all the knowledge is interconnected. And it's only helpful in ways that we have practical applications for it, you know? Yeah. And it's most especially is if we can use that knowledge to understand human nature. That is probably the most important part. Yeah. And when we can understand who we are, then we can understand who others are. And then we can use it to help them. And that was a huge paradigm shift for me. In fact, I love how Stephen Covey puts this. I can't even remember which book he says this, but he talks about primary greatness and secondary greatness. And I don't know if you've heard of this concept, but it's just such a good way to picture this. Primary greatness is living a life of great character. You're trying to do the right things because it's right. You're developing that character. And sometimes, well, backing up here, I got to explain secondary greatness first. Secondary greatness is what most people in the world want to achieve, which is money, good looks, good grades, power, influence. Yeah, Yeah. all those sort of things, you know. But what he says is if you're aiming for primary greatness, a lot of times the secondary greatness stuff will just come. You don't have to seek after. But if you're aiming for the secondary greatness, you are going to feel empty inside because you haven't put in the time to develop that primary greatness, you know? That's true. And so I just, I love how he puts that. And so I'm like, okay, that's going to kind of be the whole focus of what I want to have for my kids in my schools. I want them to aim for primary greatness. That's great. So what is the best advice you feel like you've ever received? Well, that's kind of a hard question. (laughs) No, I've got a lot, but I think maybe that would be not to copy public school because it really is a paradigm shift. Like you said, it's all segmented and nothing in our life ever, the rest of our life is never like that. And so to copy that is just very unnatural. (laughs) It's totally unnatural. And in fact, this is what I did the first year in that first grade when I brought my son home. We would do one subject and then we'd move on to the next one. And I would insist that he meets my requirements or whatever the requirements were of the curriculum. And then we'd have to go from like 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. just to get it all done. And I can tell you, it was horrible. (laughs) It was so horrible. He was only six. (laughs) And I don't, I'd I'd get nothing else done. And he's crying at the end. (laughs) Totally upset, angry at each other. And I'm like, okay, this cannot work. (laughs) This is what I'm supposed to do, Heavenly Father. Then please send me something. A new plant. (laughs) A new plant. And I finally discovered, really, I just, what I would do is I'd like read aloud to him as the kind of the reward at the end of the day, but we'd usually never get to that because we're trying to do all the other boring stuff. So I finally just came to me that what I need to do is start by reading aloud to him in the morning. And then maybe I could share some things with him that I thought was excited. I wanted to teach him. If he found it was interesting too, that's great. If not, then we didn't do it. And then I would let him explore for what he wanted for the rest of the day. He just needed the time to just think on his own. And yeah. he was so creative. I mean, like the monsters that came into his room at night, he could prevent that by building himself a monster killer by, you know, tying up all of his weapons at the end of his bed. Right? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> kids are aren't they? But the problem is, is we fill up all their time, then I have time to think of things yeah. like that. We slough out the creative part. And, you yeah. know, I've heard so many people talk about how they came up with an idea for a product or whatever that they have now as an adult, as a child, when they had this, you know, really creative imagination. And if we slough that out of kids, we are really doing the world a disservice. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. <laughs> so, I mean, I finally figured out that's the pattern I needed to follow. So I followed that for the next long time, whatever, you know. And so that's that's actually kind of what I based this Building Heritage curriculum on was so that we could help parents easily teach all this stuff in a fun and engaging way without lots of prep work and, you know, yeah. just to simplify it. And actually, I, I'm kind of I'm using it myself with my other kids too and they love it (laughs) such low pressure yeah that's great I like the idea that there's little prep work because I think that scares a lot of people off of homeschooling because they think that they have to have these elaborate lesson plans and you know all this study and time so and on top of being a mom so I think that's great yeah yeah I mean and it's great to study as a mom but really (laughs) That's time. Yeah. Some, you definitely do some, but you can't always plan out those beautifully less beautiful lessons with all the whatnot involved with it. And yeah, and then you think, Oh, I'm such a failure. I'm like, Oh no, you're not. Yeah. Yourself. Exactly. So I got to ask the the socialization question because we all are worried about having our kids be weird. But what do you think about socialization and what do you think it means to be socialized? Oh, yeah. Everybody has to ask that. And truthfully, it was a huge fear of mine. Like I mentioned already, when I it was probably the biggest fear when I started because <laughs> I really didn't want my kids to be strange or socially backward, you know. Yeah. And, and truthfully, I couldn't see it any other way because I did know some socially backward homeschoolers. Mm-hmm. But the crazy thing is once I finally decided to do it, I found, okay, this is totally a non-issue for me <laughs> because there's so many things you can do, like a billion, you know, to socialize with people, Yeah, <laughs> you know, with classes, field trips, scouts, church, whatever. And if there isn't an opportunity, you just create one and other homeschoolers will come, you know, but really the biggest reason is, is that socialization is totally dependent on the parents because you have socially backward kids in public school too. Yeah. Isn't that funny? The light bulb goes on. Wait, I do remember weird kids in public school. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, okay, so if we want our kids to be socialized and what do we mean by socialized? I want them to be able to talk to other people. (laughs) Pretty much really what I think it is. Um, I want them to be able to say what they won't need to say to further their work in life. Yeah, communication uh, skills. <laughs> yeah, pretty much is what it is. Then, as a parent, I have to model that, okay? And it's that way no matter what. Yeah. And so, the interesting thing is I look back, I'm like, okay, wait. So, I grew up in the public school system, and in many ways, I was probably super socially backwards. <laughs> I mean, I was very introverted. I didn't want to talk to any new people. Okay, calling on the phone, I hated it. I would pay my little sister to <laughs> sounded enough and alike that it worked. <laughs> Another thing I was thinking about as far as socialization goes, I didn't know how to control my emotional state a lot of times. I would be so angry. Okay, that that could be socially backwards, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. so then when I realized, okay, socialization of my kids dependent on me, hmm, maybe I better make an effort here. <laughs> so I just started 
making an effort to get to know new people and new situations. And, you know, it's become a lot easier for me and for them, you know. And, in fact, I think a cool thing about homeschool is that your kids get a lot more opportunities to learn how to be, what, sociable with lots of different people because you're always changing the different classes up. But you're also always in a safe environment because you're always with your family. Well, not always, but especially when you're younger. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, that's such a better way to learn how to become socialized (laughs) than to put yourself in this grade. I mean, okay, I beat up a kid. This is confession time. I beat up a kid. (laughs) I was in second grade, and I beat up this fifth grader who was bugging me. Oh, wow. And let's just say he was the teacher's son, and uh, he was so embarrassed he didn't tell on me. <laughs> you were lucky. <laughs> but, but I'm like, okay, that is socially backwards. You don't beat up people to solve your problem. <laughs> and if I can teach my kids differently where I'm with them in a social situation and there's something that's going wrong, we can figure out a different way to yeah. work things out. Yeah, you don't, you don't socialize a six-year-old by putting him with other six-year-olds to learn their habits. <laughs> so I know. <laughs> Great. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So what would you say your biggest obstacles that you face are? And then tell us what you've learned from those. Well, you know, my biggest obstacle is probably just me. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) probably common for most people. We get in our way the most. But the good thing is if we can recognize it that, then we can. (laughs) (laughs) You can get out of your way. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I I mentioned to you that one of my fears about homeschooling was that I wasn't disorganized. I mean, that I was too disorganized to do it. (laughs) Really, what I've come to realize is it wasn't my organization. Well, that was kind of the symptom of it. It was really this, I didn't have good (laughs) self-discipline to do the important things, you know? Yeah. I do the things that I had a deadline for. And then I'd procrastinate the last minute, then I'd do it. And so I'd always be putting out fires and I'm living a high stress life. And I always thought, I don't want to plan. Who wants to plan? Then I can't be spontaneous. (laughs) Um, But the problem is you live in a state of chaos that way. You know, you can't find the shoes. There's no clean laundry. Who knows what's for dinner? Everybody's (laughs) screaming, you know? So... (laughs) No time to be spontaneous if, if you have too many fires like that. And so what I've actually learned from this, and it's been really good, it's been very motivating for me to learn how to become organized. <laughs> I have come a long way. I'm very productive. I do get a lot done. But the funny thing is I still have this thought in my head I'm, that I'm still not organized enough. <laughs> but, <laughs> I don't think I ever will be. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm okay with that. It might be a continual life learning process, right? <laughs> it kind of would be. I mean, I even teach classes on this now. And in fact, <laughs> I, that's what's crazy, you know, because sometimes what the things you struggle with, that's what you share with others. Yeah. I have a class on my Mentor Your Kids website, and it's called Use Your Superpowers Time Bending. And so it's basically to help moms learn how to balance everything because, especially homeschool moms, we have tons to balance. Yeah, we do. Lots of different stuff. Uh-huh. And so, you know, often that we hear that we have to learn how to manage time, but you really can't manage time because it is just what it is, but you can manage yourself and you can make time work a lot better for you. So that's why I call it time bending. Oh, but great. it is kind of funny. I still have to work on that too, but I've learned a lot of good principles and tools that have helped me become so much more organized. <laughs> that's great. So- Before we go on, let us take a minute and hear about our sponsors. Hey, Firestarters. This is Mark, producer of The Luminous Mind. If you're like me, the thought of going out to the store and shopping is enough to make you want to crawl in a hole and hide. 
If that's you, then do your shopping online through Amazon. Just go to theluminousmind.net, click on the Amazon link, and shop away. Also, most of the books and resources that Rebecca and her guests discuss can be found on our Amazon links as well. Again, if you're like me, you have already accidentally signed up for Amazon Prime. So most of those purchases should have free shipping as well. Good luck. mind with Molly Christensen and Building Heroes. So as homeschooling moms, uh, we all have a little bit of a discouragement. What do you do to combat that when you get discouraged about stuff? You know, what's interesting is I hardly ever get discouraged anymore. That is a good place to be, but that's because I think I know what my purpose is and I do things daily to remind me of that. And I thought of this quote that my friend posted on Facebook that kind of goes, well, and she says, well, she didn't say it. Zig Ziglar did. (laughs) (laughs) She just sounds articulate because she reposted. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) He said, people say motivation doesn't last. Well, neither does bathing. That's why we recommend it daily. (laughs) That's great. That is really great. I know. So that's kind of how you, you kind of prevent discouragement even coming because you keep yourself motivated every day, you know? Of course, that's a long journey to get to that point. I'm totally not perfect, but most of the time things are pretty good. And then, you know, when you have those ridiculous days when you've got the one kid throwing up over here, the other kid <laughs> writing with permanent markers on her bed sheets, and then uh, the 9 and 13-year-olds can't stop fighting. I mean, it's going to all happen this week. <laughs> and probably this day. That's how my, my life is. Yeah, they kind of this day, but... No, actually, the vomiting was yesterday. But, you know, <laughs> you can kind of more laugh at it because you can see that this is not all of life, you know? It's okay. It's just kind of like, okay. But this, they're, they're learning and growing. They yes. really are. This is an interesting day. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. So what are some successes that you've seen? I'm sure with kids uh, ranging in age from 3 to 20, there's got to be something. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and it's really good to point out the successes because, you know, you want proof for your brain to say, hey, you're doing it's something working. Right. <laughs> well, probably one of the biggest successes, I, I have probably plenty I can share, but like one of the bigger ones is that I love to see it when my children have decided to learn something on their own without me pushing them, you know? That is awesome. Huh? Um, <laughs> so for one example, my daughter, she got in her head that she hated math. Somehow I screwed it up, you know, <laughs> didn't get her that good math attitude. And <laughs> but really, that wasn't totally my fault. <laughs> she had some say in that, too. You know, we would do math here and there, but she'd kind of always do it half-heartedly. And not that I was ignoring her or anything, but I was just trying not to push her. So the summer before she began 10th grade, she decided that there was something she wanted to change because she was looking ahead to college and she wanted to get in. And she thought, you know, if I'm going to get a good grade on the ACT, I probably should learn some math. (laughs) That might be a big part of it. (laughs) You know. So, and she said, and I really want to teach her. I think maybe if I have a teacher, I could learn it. So I'm like, okay. So she decides that she wants to take it at the local school because we knew the teacher that was pretty good. Actually, really good. We'd heard that. So she takes algebra in 10th grade. And if you don't know this, that's pretty remedial. (laughs) That's (laughs) remedial students. She gets in there and she loves the class. 
she does really well in it. And the teacher's like, I don't even know why you're in here. (laughs) (laughs) Guess what? She all of a sudden's like, wow, I love math. So then the next two years, she does geometry, algebra two and college algebra. Holy cow. It was just totally a matter of her deciding that she could like math. (laughs) And now now she's gone off to college. She was even debating if she wanted to major in math because she liked it that much. Oh, wow. I think she's going for business, but that's okay, too. You know, (laughs) I was like, okay, that says something. It's totally your mindset. (laughs) Sight. You know, another success, like my oldest son. Okay, so I told you, you know, he was kind of my guinea pig, and I was making him write these horrible writing assignments when he was six, <laughs> and it was just terrible. And then, but then I had this heard this idea that okay, writing skills are very different than learning how to handwrite, and so the problem was he didn't even know how to handwrite. You know? <laughs> it takes forever to form those letters, you know. So instead, I helped him develop this handwriting skill. And it's actually pretty tricky for him because what I didn't know at the time is he was blind in one eye. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) And so the hand-eye coordination thing was a little lacking. (laughs) Oh, boy. Um, So for the next, I don't know, four or five years, uh, whenever he had something he wanted to say, I guess what I should have said, composition skills are different than handwriting skills. Okay, That maybe makes more sense. But anyway, so for the next four or five years, when he had something he wanted to say, I would write it down for him. Because handwriting was really hard for him. <laughs> now, I did that till he's about 11 or 12. I didn't require him to write much at all except for what he wanted to say. And so when he was about 11 or 12, he wanted to write a novel. So I'm like, fantastic. <laughs> so I started out typing it up for him. But then a lot of times I'd be busy when he had something he wanted to say. So I said, okay, re- record it. So he'd record it, and then I'd type it up later. Finally, he got tired of waiting for me. So he just decided to learn how to type, and he'd type it up himself. So this kid, he couldn't even write an essay until he was 12 or 13. He ended up passing eight AP tests, which all have essays on them. Wow. And he got a full tuition scholarship. Oh, that's awesome. So, awesome. I mean, that looks super great, too, as far as worldly honors. Yeah. But he was aiming for the primary greatness, you know, so the secondary greatness came. Yeah. So awesome. That, that's just a couple of the successes that I've seen. That's great. <laughs> Thank you. Can you share with us what some of your maybe personal habits are? We talked about organizing your time. What is something you think that helps parents? Well, it's kind of interesting because like one of my hobbies is I love to read like leadership books and, you know, what makes successful people successful. And it was kind of funny because I got to a point where I was like, you know, I know all about why successful people are successful. So maybe I should try some of these things. You know? <laughs> and I think one of the biggest habits that was very consistent among successful people was that they had a way to connect with their source of purpose and power. And so for me, of course, that's, well, I say of course, how would you know? Um, <laughs> it's um, scripture reading and prayer. But then I've also added more things to help me with like um, having clear goals and doing like daily affirmations, writing down my vision of what it is I want, you know, just knowing those sort of things. But really the biggest thing is just start small. Don't try to do everything all at once, but just pick one thing that you can do every single day that you can commit to that connects you back to remember who you are, you know, oh, no matter what religion you are. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, right. I don't think I quite asked your question, though, because you want to know how to organize your time. <laughs> no, that is, I mean, start with a core and then it works your way out, I guess. Yeah. Is what. 
Yeah. And I used to think I don't have any time to do this in the morning because I have so many kids, blah, blah, blah. But I found that it doesn't have to take time. I, in fact, I heard one person say once, every morning I do a power hour. And I'm like, hour? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I don't have an hour. <laughs> and so I didn't do it for a long time until I realized, you know, you could do five minutes. <laughs> That's better and than nothing, right? <laughs> it totally is better than nothing. And as you see that it's working, you want to do more. I haven't gotten up to an hour, though, but, <laughs> <laughs> but still, I mean, it works. It really does work. And I've heard people say this over and over again, and, and I just never did it. But I was like, okay, just start it. Just do it. So basically, the way our day looks is in the morning, I'll get up and exercise. A lot of people say they got to get up way before their kids. I am such a night owl. I have not been able to do that yet, but <laughs> I'm working on trying to shift it because I know that's something I need to do, but you don't have to use that as a reason not to do these things, <laughs> you know? Well, so, I love the fact, I mean, if you exercise together as a family, you're teaching them a lot just with that, you know, yeah, doing yeah. it with them. And so sometimes they, we will and sometimes we won't, you know, but <laughs> depending on how your day is going. Pretty much. <laughs> so then we do our chores and we instrument practice, depending on the kid, if they have an instrument. <laughs> we'll do our family devotional and then we'll start school maybe around 10, sometimes it's later. <laughs> but, oh, and also speaking of chores, my kids do a lot of chores because I feel like that is such an important part of education. Yeah. Character. You know, like... My nine-year-old can clean the entire kitchen by herself, like everything, but with the dishwasher, unloading, washing dishes, all that, you know? Wow. And she started when she was eight, and a lot of times our kids want us to think that they can't, aren't capable. Yeah, I love that. I can't do that. I totally are. <laughs> you know? So then we do school together. We have, you know, I'll do the five youngest, the three up to 13-year-old. I, I don't have any older teens in homeschool right now because the two oldest have graduated, but if they're home, sometimes they'll actually still come. Like I was reading aloud Pollyanna and my 18 year old came in to listen, you know, <laughs> like, wow. That's pretty cool. So we use the building here as a curriculum and it just lasts for about an hour or two, whatever we feel like doing. After lunch, we call it project time. And I am super careful to keep my afternoons free because I mean, okay, mostly. <laughs> Not always possible, but know I do that because that's our creative time like we talked about earlier you know and so that's when we all work on our own projects that's how I'm able to run a business at the same time as homeschooling so little kids their projects are playing <laughs> and coloring on the bed sheets with permanent markers <laughs> <laughs> so you have to be a little bit more relaxed I think <laughs> You learn a um, lot of patience. <laughs> yeah. And then the middle kids, they, they'll read or maybe they'll want to work on a project. Like my 11-year-old, she'd be making a blog because she loves doing that. Or maybe they'll earn money or whatever. You know, sometimes they'll still play. You know, occasionally we'll take the field trip on a, in an afternoon, maybe once or twice a month, whatever, you know. But, but a key thing is they don't have unlimited access to media because otherwise they would just choose that. Yeah, And I think that's uh, when they do that, they aren't, I mean, while you can learn from media, <laughs> it just kind of sucks you in and it's very, pa it's a passive activity instead of active. Yeah, it doesn't require much creativity, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so. so they just know that's not an option, really, <laughs> you know. And then, like, in the late afternoon, it's like, so now it's sounding like we never get out, but that is so not true. <laughs> but, you know, in the late afternoon, that's when I have them taking classes. 
I used to kind of just sign up for whatever fun thing came along, but then it started getting crazier the more kids I had. And so I'm a lot more choosy. <laughs> you <laughs> know, have to be. Yeah. Yeah. And so I want to consider what their passions are and logistics, you know, if I yeah. have, for one, that's awesome. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, but then I try really hard to make sure we preserve our dinner time and our evenings for family time too, as much as possible. So, we're very family centered and I really love it that way too, because I feel like um, my kids are just really, well, I would say best friends, but then your mind starts saying, yeah, but they fight. Okay. Well, <laughs> our best friends, <laughs> but they fight. <laughs> Do you feel like that's how your family has benefited the most or is there another thing you can think of um yeah really I kind of do because I think in many respects it, we we've developed really good strong family relationships and okay thinking back to when I was a teenager and thought I would never want to homeschool because you wouldn't want to be with your parents all day <laughs> like teenagers want to <laughs> so like I told you my 18 year old even comes in and joins us for, for read aloud time that's pretty cool yeah so I think, and it's also just wonderful to be able to help my children to find their passions and their greatness inside, you know, without the many distractions of the world. That's another huge thing. I can control those distractions a lot more. Yeah, yeah exactly. So what are your long-term goals, either for yourself or does your family have goals? Yes. And in fact, one um, thing that we do, my husband and I, every year, we try to get away for a weekend, so we can pl- we call it our vision retreat. So we can plan out our year ahead. Um, we're actually going this weekend, so oh, that's fun. Some of my goals I don't know yet, but <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's my shorter term goals. Though <laughs> it, that has just been such a great thing to be able to do to kind of just get on the same page with your husband. You know, yeah, we don't always accomplish all of our goals, but man, we we get a lot closer than we would have. You know, really my long-term goal for myself is to be able to help other families feel encouraged and confident in homeschooling if that's what they choose, you know, and just to help parents be able to find and live their own mission so they can be the examples to their kids. And so that's that's why I started my businesses with the Building Heroes and MentorYourKids.com. But what I want to do with that, too, is I want to be able to um, build the businesses so my whole family can be involved. That's fun. Yeah, and I would love to be able to start a charity foundation of some sort as well. And so I want my kids to be able to see how that all works, too. And then, you know, eventually you can aim for financial freedom, independence, whatever you want to call it. And I want to teach that to my children as well. Not to be dependent. So that's awesome. So we talked about, you know, mentoring families. What advice or encouragement would you give somebody who is just starting out and maybe thinking about this type of lifestyle? (laughs) (laughs) It is a lifestyle. It really is. I would say, you know, you can do this because if you've had that feeling to homeschool, then it was most likely a decision based on this feeling that you had, not on logic. And (laughs) Yeah, if we logically think uh, of it. (laughs) Yeah, because really what sane logical person would do this to themselves (laughs) but because of that feeling alone you can be so confident that you made the right choice because God's the one that put you that into your heart and because you followed it he is totally going to be there to back you up he is going to help you and so probably the advice would be to if you're just starting out or even if you've been going for a while and you haven't done this Take the time to write down why you're homeschooling, how it felt when you decided to do it, the excitement you had, and even your fears 
but that also that you know you can overcome them. But write it all down because it's going to be such a great reminder for you when those hard days do hit. Yeah. You know? And then the voices say to you, what are you thinking? You can't do this. This is nuts. Yeah. Or I think it helps you give a purpose to other people because don't you get asked all the time, why did you decide to do that? Well, absolutely. I mean, it's really good to define why you're doing it when the other people ask, but it's even more important for yourself. Yeah. And I really recommend writing it down because you're going to forget. It's yeah. going to go. And, and, it, and just also remember it's a journey but it's a wonderful journey because whatever you're doing is perfect for your growth right then. So, you know, that's the other part of it too. Don't be beating yourself up or comparing yourself to others. Just keep trying to learn how to be better and he's going to help you. Yeah. There's a lot of empowerment to think that you have something greater behind you. You know, that that really, if you feel like that's what you need to be doing, that is, you're basically being called on a mission, you know, that's your mission and he will help you get through that. So yeah, yeah. So, like I said, I don't know why any sane person would want to choose this. <laughs> so, do you have a favorite book or resource that you'd want to share with us? Yeah, it's kind of like picking your favorite child. But, <laughs> you know, I'd say probably some of the books that had the biggest impact on me are the books from Arbinger Institute. And I don't know if you've read those, but like, no, I haven't. Okay, there's books called, there's several, but they kind of all teach the same principle. There's Bonds That Make Us Free, Leadership and Self-Deception, and Anatomy of Peace. Anatomy of Peace is kind of the story format. Leadership and Self-Deception, probably the worst title ever and the ugliest cover, but really not. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And that's kind of the nonfiction version. And then Bonds That Make Us Free is kind of the expanded version. version. So they kind of all teach the same principle, and I'm probably a little more dense than other people, but I had to read all three several times to get... (laughs) But truly, it was life-changing for me because it's, it made me help, help me understand how to consciously make the choice of what I was thinking, which sounds pretty basic when I just say it like that, but in my <laughs> own brain, I couldn't see it, yeah. you know, because <laughs> your own brain likes to think you're always right. <laughs> <laughs> you learn other things, so, so this yep. is going to seem like a strange question, but what changes would you like to see in the world in the future? Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like it's America, right? <laughs> Never thought about that. That is kind of a Miss America question. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, actually, I thought about this. I would really like to see the world change in the future by having each person being able to understand who they really are and to find out what their life's missions are. When people understand who they are and when they understand that about themselves, then they can see it in others and they can allow others to be imperfect and to make mistakes. And that would give us world peace. Yeah. Well, and to allow people to be weird. It's okay to be different. No, socially backward, it's okay. (laughs) We need those people. (laughs) We do. They have their own talents as well. Exactly. And, you know, I think, now for everybody to say, I think a lot of things. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, okay, I don't know what I was going to say. I was going to say, and that, of course, is the greatest thing is that it starts with yourself. That's how you change the world, you know. Yeah, that's true. That's great. Oh, that thing when you're young, you think you can change the world. And by the time you're 40, you realize you have to change yourself. <laughs> they stated it more eloquently. I just forgot. <laughs> so before we say goodbye, do you have any final parting words of advice 
or maybe a favorite quote that you'd like to share. And then can you go ahead and give us your contact information and let us know how we can get in touch with you? Yeah, sure. Really, I would just like to say, especially to people who are beginning to homeschool, or even if you're in the middle of homeschooling or whatever, I would just love for you to know that you're an amazing person and that whatever it is that you need to do, you can find the answers and you can do that, you know, and it will so help you to understand your purpose so that you can be the example to your children. So I think really the best thing to do is to become the leader you want your kids to be. And I, I had a super eye-opening experience about that a couple of years ago because my my son and I, we went to this um, workshop thing, and at the end, the presenter was selling this big package deal or whatever to help you build your business, and he says, well, mom, you should do this because you really need to do this, and I couldn't see that. I, could, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it for myself, and then I realized, okay, I'm so good at pushing my, preaching to my kids, you know, live your mission. <laughs> I'm like, wait, he is right. Uh, he could see that that is something that I needed to do. I didn't end up doing it with her, but I did other things in the meantime. So <laughs> I, I was happy that he pushed me, you know, because I was like, I had been doing some things, but I hadn't ever done some of the things I knew I needed to do, but I just couldn't because I couldn't feel like that. And so really I found the best thing you can do is to become that leader that you want your kids to be. Yeah. So, okay. So contacting me, I have buildingheroesacademy.com or mentoryourkids.com, and I'm also on Facebook with Facebook pages there, too, if you want to contact me there as well. Oh, that's great. Okay. I will check you out there. Well, thank you so much, Molly, for joining us. It's been a pleasure talking to you. A lot of fun, a lot of laughter. (laughs) So... Well, you know. So thanks so much. (laughs) Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate you asking me. Thank you for listening to The Luminous Mind. To learn more about Molly Christensen and Building Heroes, please visit our website, theluminousmind.net. Also, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Google+. Get our audio content by subscribing in iTunes as well as YouTube. Help us to continue to light minds on fire and change the paradigm of education. 